Jonathan, how are you doing, sir? I'm fine, I'm fine. Great stuff, dude. Great stuff. So we're cracking into episode one with Anita Baravata. It's an, actually also a series of interviews we did at the recent Krakow Product Development Days event. Yep. Uh, just a quick nod and thanks to the uh, organizers for allowing us to run around with your gigantic <laughs> microphone hassling all the speakers. Right. So we're kicking off with Anita Vadavata, a um, consultant from Silicon Valley. Yeah, and she's quite the speaker. Definitely, lots of energy. Yep. What I liked about her is her passion about new technology, understanding that and seeing it as uh, exponential. She's particularly knowledgeable on that topic. In the show, people can expect to hear a little bit about the creation of new jobs thanks to artificial intelligence, the role of human beings within that space. And it's also extremely interesting to discuss the importance of gender in the tech industry with Anita. Yeah, and it's a, a very important topic. So uh, without further ado, let's get into it. Anita, and I'm going to mess up your surname. It's your surname is tougher than mine, by the way. Uh, Vada Vata. You got Vada Vata. Vada Vata. I mean, I think your surname also describes your personality, right? It's energy, it's going. I mean, I was in your session, it was brilliant, right? I really enjoyed your energy and also the fact that you, you kind of went with the flow, right? So, Anita, um, if you can, just give us a bit of a description of your background and, mm-hmm. and what brings you to Poland and Product Development Days. I'm originally born and raised in India. I've been living in the U.S. for the past 17 years. Uh, I'm a, sort of like a dual citizen in both countries. My background really is kind of a mixed bag, right? It's a mosaic. And I kind of like that. I think that's how it should be. Is I've had uh, worked in multiple industries, uh, in a technology industry. I'm not going to call it IT. Um, and I'm also in financial services industry. But I've had experience directly working in different types of organizations. Uh, but professionally, I am a strategist. I'm a global strategist. Uh, also, very deeply in the last few years, delved into innovation and entrepreneurship and startup ecosystem. So I quit the regular corporate world and got into my independent consulting more. Uh, as a result of that, kind of became a fractional talent, as we call it. So in that capacity, I've uh, moved around in different parts of the U.S. Right now, currently based in Silicon Valley, where I mentor and advise startups in multiple different areas. I'm agnostic to an industry. Uh, both product and sometimes services as well. Yeah. Uh, but I've been exposed a lot in the AI space, so I advise some. Yeah, you were very passionate about that topic. Uh, yes. Very interested in, to hear more about what you think about that. Yeah, but especially the the key term here is understanding the emergence of exponential technologies. AI is only one of them. Right? True. Yeah. So in itself, quite powerful and transformative. But if you combine that with biotech, nanotech, robotics, blockchain. If you really head it to a really interesting scenario for the first time in the world where no one has an understanding, no one has uh, not just deep understanding of that, but it's a new thing for every country. There's something that you mentioned in your talk, and I want to just mm-hmm. stop there for a second. When you go to something like blockchain and this technologies, there is no president. You, like, how do you move forward? Think about it this way, right? Use cases emerge, and we, what we're witnessing is a market formation process. Think about the first time when we shifted from gold as a world currency standard to all those different currencies. How did that look like? Right? Yeah. So it's an evolutionary process. So technologies have this general ethos built into it. It's like it's, they're evolutionary, 
and as science gets advanced and then as technology gets advanced we'll see new emergence it'll take its own organic shape but a lot of the players also dictate in what course it's going to be. in that sense blockchain is kind of very unique is because it allows decentralization it can mean many things to many contexts right but the question is do we understand that enough do we know the risks enough because nobody has a full grasp on it because of like people are learning on the go so what's helping that's where i think some of the key mindsets are important is we have to be open to learn as we go make the mistakes you know we'll we're going to lose there'll be some collateral damage based on some use cases but that's the only way it's experimentation yeah. right so True. you create a framework but the framework actually evolves and luckily blockchain is a very interesting powerful transformative technology if you allow the technology to evolve on Great. its own yeah but one of the most successful use cases that came out of that is bitcoin which yeah. is a cryptocurrency movement yeah in itself has just taken over the world yeah. right now think of it, it's almost like a 100 200 billion dollar market cap less than 3 years it's crazy you, you yeah. can never design things like that it just it ha- happens it happens yeah. <laughs> it's, it's something that i wanted to ask you as well is that you brought up the topic i th- I might be messing this up but it's human intelligence and artificial intelligence and combination of those two what is the role of the human being in this process you know i think no one has an answer to that right what we are seeing again is most economies were built on how intelligent one is what their qualifications are and how we value different skills in an economic environment right based on again it's demand and supply there were many economic models all over the world as you know different you know evolutions like revolutions like industrial revolution agriculture so when you look at all these different centuries and 18th century 19th century 20th how we're evolving mm-hmm. we are right now dealing with digital revolution right so everything that we see so far has been built for the industrial era but right. we're living and you know continue to go going to go in the direction of digital era so would the same economics work is you know again we yeah. need new economic models we need new business models we need new understanding of valuing skill valuing talent what does valuation mean because exchange of any service or good is based on some sort of a valuation right yeah yeah so if you say hey if i have shortage of stock brokers i tend to value them more so automatically if you seem to have the qualification i'm going to pay you way more than someone who's going to just drive a car True. At some point it kind of became that this white collar jobs to blue collar jobs emerged we started giving more importance to the intelligence the knowledge economy started driving more in terms of value yeah. per person per hour value compared to just very mundane repeatable tasks so when you look at technologies how they're evolving even if you consider a simple scenario is if something that can be repeatable and very predictable i already know i don't need much there's not much complexity Do you really need human intelligence to be applied there? Exactly. Right? So there are some of the first immediate cases where you can automate. So what we're witnessing right now is a major wave of automation. So we're not resisting, you know, globalization movements. We're not resisting. We're all, regardless of what country, whether it's Poland, India, US, or, you know, Morocco, we are now having to deal with everything's going to be, automation is going to be a big part of it. How do we get a grasp of it? how do you organize our economy around it how do you organize our talent education yeah how do you educate yeah. your youth 
how do you create jobs because you have to create new jobs now or you, not because it, I, I want to say this but I might get into trouble is yeah. is I said it to someone before when we had a real passion conversation about artificial intelligence specifically yeah. uh, and the person said yeah but what about people's jobs and I said if your job is currently under threat of artificial intelligence you're in the wrong job or you're doing the wrong job which might sound a little bit heartless, but I don't know. How, how do you feel about that? You, you're welcome it's, to, it's, to kick my it's butt. It's not about, you know, heartless or not, right? If you really look at ultimately, if you cre- if there's a process, if they're doing something, you're op- you always want to optimize it, right? You get the best person there to do the job or you get best team to do the job, whatever. Either you're, you, know, you have a purpose of why you're doing it. There's a bottom line. Again, are you catering only to shareholders? Are you catering triple bottom line where you also want to empower the community, yeah. you know, solve one some of the biggest grand challenges, you know, take care of poverty once and for all? Like whatever is that purpose, you're always looking at what's the best method and means to do it. So if we have already certain tools and already technologies that are emerging or already at a point where they can do far better job, then why would I want to continue to push a human who can be inferior to perform that particular task. So they could be task-oriented, you know, repeatable tasks that can easily be automated. So you're looking at automation, and AI is only one tool, right? But artificial intelligence, again, there are many definitions to that, right? The real researchers, the the hardcore, they hate the term AI and how it's been applied. Because their purpose is, how do we take the human evolution to the next level? Yeah. Right? It's like, okay, I have my brain, but my brain is finite. Like, what is the maximum IQ one can possess? But is that single person's IQ enough or collective intelligence far greater, right? So that's where data becomes important. So in a digital era, we have abundance of information, right? The question is, like, how do we draw insights? Do we have the human capacity to process the kind of information, the magnitude? We don't. We need actually algorithms and machines to do the processing. We're not talking about megabytes. I mean, we're talking about terabytes and zettabytes. I mean, it's not possible for humans to do the analysis and draw insights and apply. So you have to advance technology and algorithms have the power to do it, right? So we're, when we think about artificial intelligence, again, as I said, that's one. But when you start seeing convergence of other technologies and in combination... That's yeah. the true transformation. And I think you also mentioned like it's not interthen- Internet of Things, it's Internet of Everything. Everything, IOE, yeah. right? Yeah. I mean, things are, you know, still how you can probably like, kind of work around. Yeah. Everything will be integrated and connected. Yeah. Right? Connectivity is key at this point. Why do you think Facebook wants to give free internet? Why do you think Google wants to give? Because still half the world's population is not online. True. You know, you know we are 7 plus billion, soon to be 9 billion planet. And 50% are not playing in the digital world. So if I'm not in the digital world, I'm left behind. So according to me, the new definition of have and have-nots is not economic metrics. Access to technology is the new have. The ones who have access to that are the new haves because they can do a lot more things with it. I think someone once said, I read it in an article, that access to the internet, it might be a bit of a basis, should be a basic human right. I 100% agree. I think at the UN level, they're championing that, right? Which makes perfect sense because once you provide information, that's why even if you go back, you know, you you know have a lot of you know history yeah. coming from South Africa and England and other places where the ones who were able to become the superpowers only because they had access to information. 
that is the rest true. of the world. That is true. That is true. So, with internet, it's democratizing access to information. Yeah, see everybody. So anyone can access, have the same access to information. It depends on how they apply. Yeah, that can change the equation of no one can hold. And then also the other thing that is interesting, so everybody needs to have access to the information, but then also everybody needs to take ownership of it in the sense of being able to filter what is true and what's not. Because I think, you know, with with, with the abundance of information, it's really important to try and figure out what is the real, what is the truth. And that is up to the individual, in a way. Truth is an interesting term. Right? What is the real truth, Yeah, right? it's like, it's whose truth. Yeah. Right? You may have a different truth. It's the same thing. We, we, three of us, you know, coming from different cultures. Well, you may yeah. perceive a different truth. I may perceive a different. It's the same information, right? Yeah. But so your context, your context matters. Yeah. Uh, so again, the digital environment, even information-wise, it's how we apply in what context. So contextuality, I think, is very critical uh, because it and what roles we play in that context. Of course, there are some clear untruths that's like a given, yeah, yeah. very like obvious, but to a large degree, it's a gray yeah. area. No, I, spectrum, I agree with you there. Spectrum of truth. The perspective of where it comes from and where you, you are from is, is very important. Mm-hmm. Then there's something else I want to ask you, and I, I want to I ask this carefully because I don't want to offend you, because I don't, I, don't, I don't think you're the kind of person who wants pretty, to be put I, in the box, I don't right? take offense at all. I right, think but, we should but, have that kind of dialogue. And I the, think there's, there's a lot being said currently around this, but... You came into the room and you own this space, right? And you, you are from Silicon Valley and you're also female. What is the challenges? First of all, for female people, because unfortunately the impression I still get in our environment at the moment is that there is still, there is still a little bit of dominance around male in this environment. Now, first of all, you can come in here. I'm going, holy <laughs> I mustn't swear, sorry. Right? But, but I'm sure you've, you've found some challenges how do you maintain your energy level what, and what are the challenges that you face as a woman or an advice that you potentially have? Um, I think it's, I think unfortunately this whole gender dialogue is real because the, again, okay, so going by data, right? Okay. So there is a clear disparity. There's no doubt about it, right? But I think unfortunately it's a 20th century problem we're having to solve in 21st century. And this is not something we should have dragged into the 21st century yeah. because we have different set of challenges. It has nothing to do with a man or a woman. We have other bigger forces and external factors. Everyone across the globe has to actually figure out a way to grasp, adopt, and move forward. But these are some of the things that are kind of pulling us back. We are stuck in this unfortunate dialogue about man, woman, Indian, non-Indian, or you know, African, Brazilian. Like we are. Stuck too tied up into this culture, these labels, which I think are important because that culture context gives another perspective, yeah. which is important. But skewing towards one is always dangerous anyway. Right? It's a myopia, True. that's a problem. So as much as possible, we always want diversity. And diversity is not just about you know color, race, ethnicity, economic levels. But having that holistic perspective is important. That means you need all kinds to be at the table. At the end of the day, what are you trying to solve? What are you trying to build? Since it's a product development days, what is the product? Who's going to be the user of the product? Are you even targeting a female or a female gender population that's going to use this? Then if that's the case, do you have the representation in your product team? Yeah. Because they may have a different, and the features may change, the user interface may change. 
they're on the so otherwise you're just building for a bunch of guys yeah. right so there is this bias we're introducing in the product development process to everything else so I would say literally yes the challenges are everywhere for me you know, I fit into multiple roles of diversity, right? You know, I'm Indian. I have an ethnic diversity. <laughs> and I'm a woman, another diversity. Uh, I don't have kids. So, you know, again, that's another subcategory. Yeah. So, again, there's also a social model of what a woman should be. Correct. You know, like going through life, okay, you go and grow, get married, have kids. You're expected. But if you don't necessarily fit in, that's another thing that actually gets labeled, right? But most important is it doesn't matter. They're just a superficial layer that'll help. It'll take a little longer. That's the only difference, right? Yeah. If in a male-oriented environment, it may take me longer for someone to take me seriously. So I have to put in 200%. So for me, that's the fundamental challenge. It gets tiring at times. like, you know, come on. Yeah. Don't look at my face. Don't look at my voice. Hear what I say. Content I like should that. matter, Hear what right? I say. Right? If you're not, that means you're actually already kind of missing out on real feedback and opportunity because listening, and that applies to customers. If you're not listening to the right signal, you just focus on too much noise. That's why I brought up that point in my product talk is it's important you need to understand, not focus on the noise, but figure out a way to start reading out noise so you can get the signal because that will help you build a better product. Right? So that also goes into this technology realm is like, how do we ensure AI or other things that we're actually involved with has that inclusiveness, the diversity incorporated? Otherwise, it will be skewed yeah. a program in a way that can also, you know, you don't want to introduce bias. It's very yeah. easy to introduce bias. You don't bias want to teach it our insecurities, yeah. right? Need, yeah. But yeah, so from just a pure gender thing, it's unfortunate. I think a lot is luckily happening right now. There's a major focus on women as a gender across the globe because finally people understood women is not a gender conversation. Women is an economic conversation, right? You have more than half a planet and at least one third of that are entering workforce for the first time. That's your new consumer market. It, you'll be stupid if you're not actually trying to focus too much on because you shouldn't even be doing business in the first place, right? It's like, I go where my customer is, and that's my customer. Because if you actually look at even like simple, you know, numbers, most household decisions are made by women. They may not work. They are the influencer. Yeah. What soap you use at home to, what children's school they're going to go. It's the woman, what car are you going to drive? Because woman looks at safety features in a car if you have children. The man may pay if in, in a scenario when both are not earning. But she's an influencer on every product that is purchased. So if you don't understand your, that's where data, developing an objective understanding of how you gauge your market, how you gauge utility and value, it has nothing to do with your gender, it's just a demographic data point. Yeah. It is not, it's just like you have... So the numbers will speak in the end anyway, right? I mean, right now, the next wave, it's actually already happening. Women are going to just take over the world. They're already in getting to the position and it's like another big wave coming very, very quickly. It's already happening, yeah. right? We're going to see in all levels because like, come on, it's a stupid conversation we're trying to still focus on. Gender, gender. And that's that's the thing I get really upset about. It's like, you know, come on. Can we just put that to rest and talk about things that really matter? 
you know, we really have bigger fish to fry. <laughs> Definitely. I mean, my comment around that is people like you going to take over the world. I'm in. <laughs> no resistance from me, by the way. So you mentioned Ecozel, as you know, talking. What are your thoughts about his more controversial thoughts when it comes to the singularity, for example? I don't like to use the term controversial, right? Because why do we think it's controversial, right? It's a matter of us losing control. That's what makes it controversial for mm. us. Again, you know, the same thing happens with governments. They don't like controversy because they don't want to lose control, right? So if you are empowering each individual, whether through technology or otherwise, you can do that through even governance structure, right? If you then do, you have to lose control and give the control back to this large section of people versus me as a small unit controlling it. So singularity, again, you know, it's it's a very defined term, you know, so I'm definitely not an expert, but there are enough experts both from the scientific community, technology community, where they said that, okay, 2041, we're going to achieve this complete going to the other side, so to speak, where human and machine will integrate, right? But what makes you think today we are not that? So if you think about a pacemaker, right? You know, people have this term cyborg that they use a lot, right? They're like, oh my gosh, cyborg, like you put this machine. Yeah. But today, everyone who has a heart problem walks around with a, a chip, which is their pacemaker. That's not natural biology. Your heart stopped working on its own. It's the artificial device is actually keeping the heartbeat alive. That you have it in your body and you're walking around. True, right? and you have it for hearing now as well. So hearing, it's, so you're already using to help your faculties instead of just dying. I mean, when, before that existed, you would just die. That's it, done. Yeah. Because when your heart stops beating, you're dead, right? Or considered dead at least. So, but now we're already prolonged our life from your natural heartbeat because it's not strong enough to contain through a foreign object in your system. And also, if you think about information, we use our phones, right? I don't remember anything here. I've already outsourced part of my brain to this. <laughs> I like that idea. My phone is, actually, my brain is outsourced to my phone. Actually, when you think, and that's true. Actually, I mean, if I look at the amount of notes on my phone, <laughs> even some of those companies tells you that what they sell is brain on mobile brains. So yeah, that makes that makes total sense. So in that sense, it's it's it's, uh, it's about in sort of fighting these terms. You know, we're getting too stuck on the terms. But if you just look at there's a lot of augmentation options, right? You know, we can make our lives better by incorporating technology in every way, right? And, but that key aspect of singularity is, yes, we're going to be heading into the direction where our human biology is finite. Right. We need external intervention to keep it going. Because cells are not sustainable to be active for a long period of time. But I have now tools, we're developing tools where we can continue to increase our longevity in a way that never was done before. So in a way we're kind of co-creating. Yeah. You know, then what happens to the concept of religion in that context? It's a huge mind shift, right? So I can see why it can be seen as, you know, controversial because it's like you're now questioning the very foundation of what people lived all their life. Yeah. You know, it's like, you know, how God is the creator, but now I'm creating. Am I the God? Will you start praying to me? <laughs> Church for me? <laughs> Again, it's just a personal faith. Yeah. You know, I don't want to tell, you know, 
touch any of those notes, but it just basically makes us realize our own fundamental questions, right? Yeah. And that's scary for a lot of people. It's a little unsettling, yeah. right? It's like even from thinking about like, oh my gosh, what does it mean? You know, I'm open but for me like these things are yeah. easy to accept but generally they're not it isn't I mean I can I can give you a perspective from my experience I mean I'm a designer guy mm-hmm. and uh, one of the things that I started doing uh, for the last two three years is that in the design space there's a lot of methodologies it's like design thinking and mm-hmm. we have our tools that we use right but I've, what I've recently started doing is questioning those methodologies mm-hmm. because I think sometimes we accept some of the methodologies and tools as our religion mm-hmm. and those tools and I'm not saying any of them are wrong or right might blind you to what is next or what you might be missing mm-hmm. right? but that in itself is quite a challenge to do because first of all you, you challenge something that you love right. but then also when you do challenge you might have people that think like this is sacrilege like what are you doing by challenging the things that we all believe in right and but it's inherently difficult because you always also then fall into the trap like you say like you have it built into your soul you challenge all the time but it's very easy to revert back to what is accepted Mm -hmm. and i think that is a challenge for a lot of people who is in this field is to i mean when i when i did my talk is like i was like i don't know if i'll land this but if you walk away and you look at things slightly differently then it will be a victory. And I think it's probably also what you're saying. is like having the ability to not say it's controversial, but considering that it might... It's another scenario, yeah. right? I just, just look at it as like another scenario. That's why it's important to have multiple perspectives, right? Yeah. It's one important perspective, right? Which is really critical. So instead of like putting these terms of conflict, you know, conflict is good. Chaos is good. Because if yeah. there's no chaos then you're pretty much being stagnant for a period of time, right? So chaos has its ups and downs. Yes, it's, you know, it disturbs the environment, but yeah. disturbance is good, right? Is so Am true. I killing people? That's a different, you know, now we're going yeah. to a different context. Yeah. But child being challenged, I think is a good thing, right? It is not, as long as the challenging is on the right basis, yeah. right? When it, it's not you I'm targeting, based on whatever in you know, all of this superficiality but hey this is another strong or other alternate point of view it's not about accepting or denying it but if you don't even acknowledge there's another perspective that is a fundamental problem yeah. it's right? tough sometimes I find it, is it tough, tough. Um, it can be exhausting yeah because it's also sometimes you, I think inherently what also happens when you design products or you do design work or you, you create something you become so attached to it and then when someone comes in with the right intentions to... Because I think sometimes we forget about the art of critique. Mm-hmm. I mean, you, you call it something else, but I think critique where someone actually just wants to add value or, or have a different opinion. Mm-hmm. You either feel a little bit hurt or you feel angry, but yet we do preach it, right? We, mm-hmm. we do say it's about collaboration, co-creation, all these things. But inherently those things of us all getting together as different perspectives, maybe a few disagreements you know going along the way and that's what makes this magical I think and I think that that should be part of the evolutionary process right they'll always be new it's a skeptic is a good position to be more than a believer right because I'm always open to evidence always open to new information yeah. and then my decisions can change so I'm not married to a decision because my position is being a skeptic yeah. right so I'm either saying this exists or doesn't exist but there's always a probability mathematics right 
great. I'm I'm super happy. Like the thing is, the only thing that I'm scared of is like I'm going to run out of this space because chatting to you, <laughs> I can see the sun coming up. Um, <laughs> And either like I mean, uh, thank you for being such a f- breath of fresh air at product development days. Really, like you kicked my ass. <laughs> really, <laughs> when you jumped on the stage. I'm so there. glad I did that. Yeah, you really did kick my, <laughs> my ass. My purpose achieved. Yeah. So I mean, and once again, thanks for coming to Poland and sharing your energy. And I, I really hope that you're going to be back to do more. Yeah, and, 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 it's, it's a beautiful city. I mean, so far I just very much scratched it with this, you yeah. know, surface, but. I'm uh, hoping to, you know, come back and be more engaged and figure out how do we, you know, help the local ecosystem to draw its potential. I think yeah. there's a lot of potential. Krakow, like Poland, you know, as well has yeah. overall. Uh, but I think just kind of trying to focus on this very traditional industry could be missing out. Yeah. Right? I think how do we then gather, redeploy the talent in a way that can really help. I agree. I think that's that's the key thing. That, like you said, the talent is here. It's just how do we creatively unlock it? Mm-hmm. Because I think there's 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 my observation, and I'd like to hear what you say about it for, as a closing thing. And thank you, by the way, <laughs> is that in Central Europe, I think what sometimes happens: external forces want Central Europe and like Poland to go through traditional methods of getting to where maybe people in, in, in Silicon Valley is where my opinion is that Central Europe needs to leapfrog we cannot go from point A B, C, D we need to leap, leapfrog to join the community and, and globalize right? Um, the key part here is you cannot live linearly anymore it doesn't work we are conditioned amen. to be linear thinkers yeah. right? exponentiality is the only way so it's not about trying to go through a phased approach. It just doesn't work. True. I mean, it'll work in the short term, but that's not the point. I think right? it's too slow, right? It's, uh, it's the pace. slow, but you're not, you don't have the opportunity anymore yeah. to go slow. Yeah. Because you don't have the True. time. Yeah. Right? When I say time, of course, it's a relative term. But the way some of these evolutionary technologies are happening and then how the world is realizing that there are bigger purposes beyond their own little companies and others because a planet is at risk from a climate change environment to poverty. I mean, you cannot be a bystander to those issues, right? True. There, You have to create impact. Then everyone has to play their role. So how, as a local ecosystem, with the talent that you have, do it in an exponential Can way is the only way to do it. Exponentiality is a key word here. No pressure, Jonathan. <laughs> Anitha, once again, thanks for spending your time with us. It's and I'm sure absolutely I'm, my pleasure. There's a, a awesome whole bunch of chat. other people hunting you down. And uh, please, I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing where you end up in your next adventures. I'm definitely going to keep an eye on you. Definitely. <laughs> cool. And Thank thanks, you. Thank you very much. Such a great time chatting cool. with you both. <laughs> Bye.